Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one McCrispy, so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. See ebaymotors.com. What is happening, gang? We have got an interesting show for you today on the Inside Football Podcast with Bill Point. In today's episode, we get to find out what Bill is watching in these early weeks of the NFL season. This week, no surprise to anybody, officiating has risen to the top of the list of things Bill's watching. A lot of DPI, OPI on go route talk in this episode. A few other things, we get to hear who Bill liked in week one, who he didn't, who was completely unprepared to play, and then ultimately, for us as fans, how high we should be if our team played well week one, or how low we should be if our team did not play so well. But before we dive into that, I want to take a minute and talk about one of our favorite sponsors on the pod, Bet Online. We're back and better than ever. All eyes are on the gridiron as teams are back to start another football season. As always, Bet Online is your number one spot for all your pro and college football action this season. With a new updated site and interface, which is banging cool, even more odds, props, and contests, Bet Online continues to be the number one source for everything football. So, what are you waiting for? Head over to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today to receive your 100% welcome bonus on your first deposit. That's right, 100% welcome bonus. That's double your initial deposit just for signing up. Don't forget to use promo code NFL100. So, what are you waiting for? Head over to Bet Online. It's the fastest and easiest way to bet on your favorite sports. All right, this is a fun one today. This is the Inside Football Podcast with Bill Pullian, and this is our look at what Bill is watching. All right, gang, we are live on the Inside Football Podcast with Bill Polian. We've got week one in the books. It was a certainly fun week one to watch, kind of a sad week one here in D.C., but I think some good things to take away. This is going to be a really fun episode. In today's episode, Bill is going to identify some glaring things that he's been focused on um, that I think you should be focused on as well, that you're going to learn a lot in today's show. How are we doing, guys? Did you enjoy week one? Yeah, sure did. Yeah, so much fun. Such a fun weekend to literally not leave the couch all day Saturday. Very strong college Saturday. Iowa, let's put in a plug for the Big Ten. Maybe Iowa should be like two, not just five. (laughs) Well, we'll see after next week if you say the same thing. Well, I mean, come on. There's there's a there's a big thing on ABC Saturday night at 7:30 uh, uh-huh. called a whiteout that I think is going to be pretty fun when Bo Nix rolls into Happy Valley. So it's a <laughs> all right. It's a big night right. for us. 
So I don't know if you've heard, but apparently former NBA player Lamar Odom may be returning to professional basketball soon in Spain. Apparently, he's going to try out for Paul Gasol's team. He's been taking a new product that he owes the credit to, Balance 7. Balance 7 is the pH balancing alkaline supplement drink. It's like vitamins or supplements in liquid form. Just one ounce a day, three times a day, in a week, you'll see the effects. I know as we head into fall, I'm always looking for ways to increase my energy. Summer's over. It's a little glummer. The weather's starting to change. You know you got five or six months of just terrible weather in front of you, and it's harder and harder to get up in the morning. So if you need a boost, Balance 7 may be the product for you. I know it's been super helpful for me. You can see how Balance 7 has helped. And right now, if you go to balance7.com and use the promo code BELIEVE, B-L-E-A-V, you'll get 10% off their 32-ounce bottle. The bottle lasts 11 days, which is the perfect amount of time to feel the pH balancing drink go to work. Again, that's head over to balance7.com and use the promo code BELIEVE at checkout. B-L-E-A-V at checkout. I did. If it worked for me, I know it can work for you too. All right. All right. Here we go. So what what is glaring? What is sticking out that we should be aware of, Bill? Well, I think a number of things. First of all, for fans, um, media won't relax. So fans relax. OK, it's a 17 game season. So if your team won this week, good. That's fine. If they lost in a close game, that's fine. If they laid an egg, that's fine, too. Uh, every story that I read today for a team that lost yesterday, and I went all through it this morning, <laughs> was if they're 0-2, and it clearly could be, the world is coming to an end. Yeah. No, it isn't. Yeah, No, it isn't. It's not coming to an end. You could be 0-5 in a 17-game season in a weak division and still make the playoffs. So please, you know, I'm not knocking the media. I know I've been part of them. I know what they have to do for a living. It's their job. Yeah. It's your job not to pay attention to it as a fan. So uh, because the, the people in the buildings are not paying attention right. to it. They're, they're not. They're simply not. So relax. Take it easy. It's a as a famous story. Green Bay quarterback once said, R-E-L-A-X. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Bill, with the 17-game schedule, the panic point is really far out now, right? Yes, it is. There's almost no panic point up until week 12. And even then, if you're in a weak division and you get hot, i.e. the uh, the, uh, the Blue Jays, they happen to be in a strong division. But uh, if you get hot at the end, you can still get in. Yeah. I, I think they'll be in 17 games. They'll be there might even be an eight and 18 that gets in, depending right. on what the division is like. Yeah. So. It's not until week 12 that we even focus on what's going on. Uh, the media and the league wants you to focus on 60, 17 one-game seasons. That's not what it is, not at all. And, and, and you have to understand that and don't get mad at the coach and don't get mad at the general manager because he says the same thing I'm saying to you. That's the way professionals look at it, and that's the way it is. So – if you want to get caught up in all the media hype and get agita, that you know, that's your prerogative. Right? <laughs> that's right. That's but right. It's not going to change anything. <laughs> a lot of studies that came out this week about the impact on stress, on strokes and heart disease. So I would keep I would keep the stress level yeah. down. I have had more than my share, so yeah. I'm now in uh, 
I'm now in, now in take it easy land, right? right? Yeah. Okay. Having said that, let's look at, at kind of what happened over the weekend, because I think it's interesting. It, it poses a couple of interesting questions. First of all, there were teams that were clearly not ready to play for whatever reason. We don't know the reason. And maybe their coaches don't even know the reason. But the Packers, Jacksonville, the Titans, Atlanta, the Lions, clearly not ready to play. Okay. It's up to their coaches to figure out why and and and, and to take a different tack or to get them a lot better uh, prepared this week. Um, and, and we'll talk about that. It's unfortunate that it gives the internet pundits when these teams lay eggs the way they did, it gives the internet pundits a chance to take out the baseball bats and beat everybody over the head, which they dearly enjoy doing. Mm-hmm. And, and, and with they better be better next week or the season's over and heads will roll. Right. You know, again, silliness and stupidity. Uh, but there is an interesting question that that we'll touch on in a second that relates to that. Secondly, there are a bunch of teams that uh, that took a half to get revved up. Uh, the Kansas City defense, the Las Vegas defense, uh, the, Minnesota, the Minnesota Vikings, uh, the Jets. Um, credit to the Jet coaches, by the way. They recognized that their team was really short on personnel and, and, and had injuries during the game, which made it even shorter. And, uh, and, and they changed the style with which they played, and they caught Carolina kind of on their heels and, and made a game of it. Um, and then there were teams that had the typical opening game, um, game management and special team snafus, notably the Bills who had a punt blocked, which changed the course of the game, as it always does. And the, and the Raiders, who had to take a very costly penalty, uh, to, which took them out of field goal range because they, they didn't get their field goal team on the field quickly enough uh, in, in an overtime situation. So um, those were the things that, 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 that sort of jumped out. Now, the questions that pop up are all relate to three preseason games and, and basically three things. One, should you play your starters more in the three preseason games just to get them ready and get the operation ready for um, – in-game action, real live up-tempo in-game action. Um, You can play that two ways. On the one hand, I talked to two coaches yesterday who who had diametrically opposed approaches. One said, um, uh, you know, if if I'm running the risk in a 17-game season of getting a starter, a key starter hurt in the preseason, and and we come out and we don't play as well as we like in in the first game, I'll trade that for having that starter for the next 16 games anytime. Mm-hmm. Another coach said, maybe we ought to give, we ought to go back to the way we did it in the old days with four preseason games and, and give our guys a smattering of work uh, throughout, you know, a series in the first game, uh, perhaps, uh, uh, you know, a quarter or a quarter, a little more than a quarter in the second game and a half in the third game or maybe even a quarter, just just to get them used to playing in that situation. Others said we're very happy with the uh, with the joint practices. 
Um, it, it's, it's each individual club's preference, um, but it's an interesting question. It's one yeah. that I, if I were a team who's, who laid an egg yesterday, I'd make a note to myself, let's discuss camp preparation and preseason preparation in a three-game atmosphere um, you know, in the offseason. Let's, let's discuss that. Um, three games are here to stay, by the way. It's, it's, that's not changing. Right. Does any of that turn on sort of the um, distribution of veterans, of guys who have played before uh, versus guys who are either uh, experienced but haven't played before or a more heavily inexperienced team? No, I don't think so. I think the teams that came out and laid an egg, uh, uh, you know, are, are run the gamut from teams like the Lions, which don't even know who's playing. They don't know the guy who's playing next to him to teams like the Packers that have a lot of, you know, a lot of veterans. So it's the Titans have a lot of veterans. So it's, it's just a matter of who was ready and who, you know, who was not. Um, so that's, that's the, that, that question will, you know, should be asked and answered in the off season and everybody can do it differently. And as I, as I said, the key, the, the key bargaining or the, the key tipping point is, are you willing to run the risk of an injury to a key starter in the preseason in games that are meaningless in order to look a little better in the first preseason game? Or are you looking at it for the, for the long haul? Um, my, my gut tells me uh, in, in terms of, of thinking it through, I probably would lean toward leaning on it for the long haul. It's a long season with 17 games, as I said earlier, depending on the division you're in. An eight and eight team might very well get in. A seven and nine team might very well get in, depending on what the division's like. And with all the division games packed into the second version of the division games packed into the last four weeks of the season, anything can happen. So I, I probably would lean on taking it easy in, in preseason, even running the risk of of, of kind of you know not being at your best uh, last weekend. Um, another thing that 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 jumped at me was uh, the officiating. On the one hand, they called holding at a rate commensurate with the way it was in the in the good old days in 1919 and 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 and, and below, if you right. will. They called the right amount of holding penalties. Uh, not that there's a finite number, but the, the general range it, it was good versus what it was last year, which was a uh, situation where they called actually more than 50% fewer holding penalties. So, and when they call 50% or fewer holding penalties, what they're doing is officiating the result of the play, which Walt Anderson actually bluntly said, and then had to walk back because uh, the league office doesn't want people to think that's the way the game is officiated, but there are some who want it officiated that way, but apparently they're not there and they're paying attention to it. Uh, now, what they're not paying attention to or not deliberately calling is downfield plays, DPI, OPI, uh, illegal contact, non-existent. Uh, there was one illegal contact called over the weekend in, uh, in 16 games. That's, that's impossible. <laughs> um, <laughs> and, 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 and I saw the world saw, OPI in the Dallas uh, Tampa Bay game, which which went uncalled, 
which which changed the outcome, likely changed the outcome of the game. There were numerous plays where defensive backs went directly through the back of the receiver who was hooked up and facing the quarterback. That's typically officials have a <clears throat> their own jargon, which they fall back on as an excuse maker. So typically when a play occurs where the receiver is facing the quarterback and the DB is coming through his back, if the ball arrives at the same time or close to the same time as the contact, which would otherwise be illegal, they call it a bang-bang play. And they say, that was a bang-bang play. We won't call a foul on it. Okay, that's been accepted over the years. The coaches and the competition committee accepts that. There were at least four plays this past weekend, and in four is too many, 16 games, by the way, um, where in real time, real time, not even slow-mo, real time, you could see that the DB went through the back of the receiver long before the ball got there, that it wasn't a bang-bang play. Now, they don't answer, they don't answer publicly anymore. Um, Dean Blandino and Mike Pereira used to, they would talk every week about various calls. I don't recall Anderson, Walt Anderson doing that last year or Al Riveron, who was in charge doing it last year. But if they did, if you were privy to a call like those I used to make every Monday to the officiating department, the answer would be, well, you know, it's the first game of the season and we're not, we're not really in sync yet. You know, it's not the same for the players and it's not the same for us. And so, yeah, we missed that. We should have called it, but we'll get it. Okay. You know, okay. I accept that. It's, 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 it's the first game for officials too. Mm-hmm. And, and, and it's, it's, as we know, the speed and, and, and the, and the intensity is ramped up tremendously. So I'll give them the benefit of the doubt on all of that. Um, if on the other hand, and this is where the danger comes in. Let's use the OPI in the, in the which Terry McCauley said was OPI in the in the Dallas um, Tampa game. Uh, if they say, well, it wasn't OPI because there wasn't full extension, and you can't have OPI with full extension, I then start to yell and pound the tape. Mm-hmm. That's an excuse. That's an excuse not to throw a flag. Mm-hmm. And and. And, you know, my answer would be, show me where the competition committee said that was the case. Where in black and white does it say that? Because that's a change in the rule. And, and their response typically would be, well, that's the way we put it in the approved rulings. Well, the competition committee is supposed to know about that uh, and supposed to tell the other people in the league. So I haven't heard that. I haven't heard, I haven't heard anything except Terry McCauley say no. That was, uh, that was OPI. And then one of the commentators making an excuse and saying, well, the DB's back on his heels and it doesn't take much to push him. And right. that's just mealy mouth nonsense. Yeah. 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 Where is that in the, where is that in the, where, where is that in the yeah. rule book? Yeah. It was like in the, the, the OPI on Tyreek Hill in the Kansas City game, where literally you saw the official kind of wait and think about it, where Tyreek Hill has literally thrown someone to the ground before the ball is even five yards away. And they were like, eh, maybe we, we got to call this one. Yeah. So, um, and again, he's officiating the result of the play 
and not the foul. Exactly. That flag ought to come out now. Immediately. We go back to the Green Bay, Tampa Bay championship game, the grab of the jersey, yep. a, a run of about three yards by the receiver with the with, with the defensive back hanging onto his jersey like it was the tail of a kite. And, <laughs> and, and nothing happens. The ball goes to the ground and then whoop, in comes the flag. You know, whoa, what happened? Well, the excuse they made was, well, he tried to get it out, but he couldn't get the flag out quickly enough. Yeah? Okay. <laughs> see the, let, let, let's see the replay. Well, we don't have that view, you know. Let's, uh, let's yeah, right. What are we going to put? Pocket cams? Yeah, now he's just yanking at the. Yeah. Oh, man. I had one of those tough, to, yeah, one of those bad flags. One thing we can say unequivocal, unequivocal is that go routes, nine, which some teams call nine routes, um, down the field from release on the line of scrimmage through the five yard area, which is where you can contact the receiver for sometimes 25 and 30 more yards to the point of the catch is a wrestling match. It would do the WWE great service. They are grabbing jerseys. They're grabbing wrists. They're arm barring. They're pushing one another. It is, it is, it's off. And it's, that's not the way the rule is written. So my suggestion to Mr. Anderson is, if the rule is written and you're not going to officiate it the way it was written, tell the public, tell the teams, have the competition committee announce this is the way we're going to officiate it. And then people like myself and, and some coaches that I know and, and certainly players will then know what's being officiated. And, and the reason they're hesitant to do that is because when they announce it publicly, the defensive coaches and the DBs take it to a new level. Right. And, and if you'd like to see it, go back to the 2003 Colts uh, uh, Patriots championship game. Yeah. That was and, and you will see it in full bloom. Intersection of routes, grabbing of jerseys, grabbing of horse collaring of receivers. Yeah. You know, it, 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 if you give them an inch, they'll take a mile. That's yeah. that's a prerequisite of listening to the podcast. You have to have watched that game a couple times, which I think most of our audience has. Right. But with the way things are going, we're now calling that back to the future, right? right. So go watch that game and you'll see what's going to happen if they go let it kill up and just get this get worse. Now, you know, admittedly, because of that game, I'm much more attuned to it than, than maybe the average fan would be. But this is not good for the game. This is not good for the game. You know, the idea that the strongest guy and the guy who can push the most and the, and the guy who can arm bar the most and, and, and is stronger wins. That's not what, that's not what the game's about. And with more and more little receivers coming in the game, like the right. guy in, in, in Arizona, you know, they, they, they're at a, you can take them out of the game by doing that. Oh yeah. Hey, yeah. You know, no, what's the if 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 they're going to do that, then they should abolish the five yards. What's the, what's the point of having five yards? That's exactly right. Yeah, we're we're playing in the nineteen seventies again. That's that's basically what it boils down to. Which is why the, the Steelers in cover two did so well because they had big long corners who could push and shove and and and, and arm bar and 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 muscle you know smaller receivers. If that's the game you want. And let everybody know that's those that's what the rules are. 
um, and don't and don't put it behind gobbledygook like it, the degree of restriction and all that stuff. That's that's just gobbledygook. Um, and by the way, if Mike Pereira or Dean Blandino would like to come on or, or, or and talk about it, would be my yeah. guest. Yeah, literally open, open invitation. Uh, uh, the so that's a concern. That's a concern. Let's see if it keeps up, or let's see if they tighten it up as as time goes by. It's possible, and then there's a lot of new officials. It's possible that it's just the first week. You know, everything's ramped up and amped up, and and nobody's ready for it really. Um, so those are the, those are the takeaways. From you know the 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 large big picture takeaways. Hey, Bill. In terms of other officiating stuff. Because it definitely was ringing through my head as I was watching on Sunday, the points of emphasis. So, how did you feel? Some of the new points of emphasis were officiated. I know there was a lot of sort of online consternation about seemingly an abnormal amount of penalties called on defensive players ending up or being blocked into uh, quarterbacks, the, the their lower extremities on sacks. How did you feel? Some of the points of emphasis worked. I know we had one in the uh, football team. Uh, game against the Chargers where Humphreys was called for a chop block. But how did you feel like those went week one? Well, I think that, I mean, I don't like the rule on, on, on you know, blocking below the waist outside the box. Um, but I think they've called that pretty consistently throughout in, in the preseason and even on Sunday. It's not, I don't think it's a good rule, but it's not their job, the official's job to determine whether it is or not. Um, so, I think they've called it pretty consistently at the end of the year. I want to see what it does relative to injuries. I mean, that's the key. If I were still sitting on the competition committee, first of all, I would have voted against it. But second of all, because I think it puts the DBs at an, at an impossible uh, disadvantage and maybe a, and a dangerous disadvantage without any real evidence that it was necessary, you know, injury evidence that it was necessary. The question would, would be, you know, what effect has it had on, on injuries over the course of the season? That won't get answered until until the committee meets in February. Um, as far as with protection of the quarterbacks, it's always, this is always controversial. I'm going to paraphrase John Mara here. In a competition committee meeting, it has to be more than 10 years ago, maybe 15 or 16 years ago. Um, where we looked at a bunch of plays typical of what you're describing where, uh, as, as my friend Mike Golick once said on a roughing penalty that occurred and we were watching it on the air at ESPN, and, and he said, Bill, that's a perfect tackle. I said, yeah, Mike, you're right, it is. It's a perfect tackle. The guy hits him in, at the bottom of the numbers with his shoulder, drives through him, pulls the legs to him, knocks him down, the quarterback ends up on his back and hits his head, by the way, no injury, thank goodness, but, but you know, a little bit difficult. And, um, and, and the flag comes out. And he said, he, he, just, he just officiated the severity of the hit. And I said, that's right. That's what the committee wants. John talked about it at, at the, at, in this meeting and said, look, at these guys are the highest paid guys in the game and they always will be. They're what people come out to see. We cannot afford to lose them in situations where the defense can still effectuate a hurry, a pressure, 
some even a sack without trying to hurt the guy or running the risk of hurting the guy. So we got to err on the side of caution. So think about that. When you get mad at, at, at a, a roughing call on a quarterback, the officials are told to err on the side of caution, and I'm all for that. In the end, it's a good thing for the game. Yeah, no, 100%. It just seems like it's hard. They're, they're tricky ones for me where I think of the sort of playing the Dolphins-Patriot game where I think Foster was blocked kind of into Mac Jones's lower half, and there was really nothing physically he could do to to not hit him kind of below the knee. Well, that's the, I mean, that's the loophole. They, they can, if in their judgment, they think that he was blocked into him, they let it go. But again, they're erring on the side of caution, and, and they're not always going to get that right, and it's not reviewable. Right. Uh, and should, secondly, uh, you know, the full body weight thing, some uh, some referees and some umpires officiated liberally. Others officiated very conservatively. That's life. You right. need to know in the game who, who who's doing it, who who the referee is. Mm-hmm. Jerry Markbright, who is one of the greatest officials going, maybe in the history of the game, in my opinion, always would call one, usually relatively early in the game, to set the tempo. Right. And when when you didn't like it, you hollered bloody murder. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, and he would just shrug his shoulders and say, well, that's the rule. You know, he was just laying down a marker, saying to everybody, I'm calling this. Stay off the quarterback. And so, um, you know, that's the way it is. And, and John Mara's description of what we face in terms of officiating and, and that rule and and enforcing that rule is correct. You need, all you need to do is watch the Raiders uh, uh, game against Baltimore and, and see how valuable, talented quarterbacks are. I mean, the idea that they can throw these moon balls and beat that, that zero blitz right. and, and, and throw those as accurately as they do is amazing. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's, that's, that hasn't happened in generations previous. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah. yeah, yeah, it's mind-boggling, and and it brings fans out of their seats. It's spectacular. That's what fans want to see. Having given you all of this sort of nitpicky, purest stuff about the first week, let me put a bow on it by saying the ratings were great. The networks, the media, the fans, the league office doesn't care how sloppy it was. Right. They don't care about the officiating. It was great. Yeah. It was great theater. It was great competition. Let's keep it going. The sponsors. <laughs> yeah, everybody's happy. Yeah. <laughs> Except we football purists who want right. right. who say no, no, that's not the way the game should be played. So um that that's the that's the uh, sort of the, the, the overview from 10,000 feet. Uh, more questions than answered. The big question is, you know, how to handle three preseason games. Yeah, It's not ideal, but how do you adjust to it? And and secondly, uh, you know, let's see what the officiating is going to look like going forward, particularly with respect to downfield officiating. 
This is a tricky thing in week one, but so just kind of taking with the themes of last week, I was kind of very mindful of this watching the games on Sunday. Did you see any load management trends? I know it's going to be hard because players are kind of playing themselves into game shape, but I, I here in DC, there's been a refrain of, you know, on 30% of third downs, sweat and chase young weren't on the field. Do you think that could be a function of some early load management stuff that's maybe happening as part of a plan? Or do you think in week one, this is more players playing themselves into shape and we just got to kind of see how load management plays out over the course of the next couple of weeks. I don't think it's either. Uh, okay. On the one hand, Early in the season, you, you got to give the defensive linemen clothes because the, the heat, the humidity is rough. The hardest thing to do in, in football, and think about it in terms of wrestling. Now, not, not a lot of people have wrestled competitively. In fact, they're probably a minute minority. But think about trying to push against a 16-wheeler. A, a tire right that that has the ability to push back yeah yeah so the truck's kind of driving a little bit yeah think about how hard that is to do physically it's debilitating man it's hard so when it's hot particularly early in the season they're in shape it's not a question of not being in shape they when it's hot and 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 you have a lot of nickel situations which you do nowadays in the game where you, you have to use four rushers mm-hmm. because they, they've spread the field out. Mm-hmm. Um, those guys wear out. And you want them fresh and healthy in the fourth quarter. So you're going to get game-to-game load management with those guys. And 30%, based on my experience with a great defensive line coach, John Tierlink, and with two of the best rushers of all time, in Robert Mathis and Dwight Freeney, is just about right because early in the games, even in the third quarter, John would rotate them through because he wanted them. He called them the closers. Mariano Rivera, who was right. then at the peak of his career, he wanted the closers ready in the fourth quarter when it was time to close the game out. And so that's intentional load management to keep them healthy. Right. And, and fresh for the fourth quarter. It's not about the 17 games. Okay. It's the right thing to do. Yeah. Right. And the number sounds about right. I think we were aiming somewhere between 25 and 30% uh, where they would not be on the field in nickel situation. Very, very cool. That's a good one other sort of kind of tangentially related thing. We're Fre- Dwight Freeney and Robert Mathis allowed to flip sides like independently. No. So that they couldn't volitionally in the game say, hey, I'm struggling with X tackle. Let's let's switch sides. No, no. We had a series of stunts. Uh, our ability to uh, to to affect matchups was done through stunts. Mm-hmm. We had a st- series of stunts that were de- both individual and, and group, which were designed to free those guys up if they had a matchup that they that that was not terribly favorable for them, which was rare. Um, they would then, they would have certain yeah. go-to moves that they would use. And, and John and, and would talk to him about it on the bench. And Dwight had the freedom to call those stunts at the line of scrimmage. 
he explains that in the new book that I have with Vic Carucci coming out in November called the uh, uh, Super Bowl Blueprint. He had the ability to audible based on the alignment that he saw, based on who he thought was going to get chipped or double teamed. He could go to a, spe a specific uh, stunt that we practiced. So that's the way we handle it rather than flipping sides. We didn't flip sides with, with anybody really, except the linebackers on defense. And we didn't flip sides with the receivers on offense, which people, you know, ignorantly crit criticize, but there was right. a good reason to do it. Yeah. Hey, with those stunt calls, this is obviously a totally inside question, but I'm very curious with the stunt calls. Is that something where he would just need to communicate that to the D tackle or would that sort of like how the center does line calls for the full line Would that permeate throughout the full defensive line? Yeah. It went for the, the whole defensive line. Yeah. Okay. Every stunt, every stunt required everybody else knowing what was going to happen. Right. You don't like call your side and then. Well, no. you have to do that because, yeah, you can't scrub gaps and, yeah, everything has to be covered, right? Yeah, every gap has to be covered, yeah, yes. And then, you know, many of the stunts, like, for example, against Lamar Jackson uh, or, or Kyler Murray, uh, if they were, and especially, um, it used to be true totally with Baker Mayfield. They've changed it some now because of the design of the run game, which I thought was terrific. Coach Stefanski's got answers for a lot of problems that, that that don't appear obvious. He's really he really does a hell of a job. We we would have stunts where we'd steer them in a certain direction where where it was impossible for them to go in another direction, yeah. and and that would be in Mayfield's case. He was always prior to last year, second half of last year, he was he would always flush to his right whenever he got in trouble. He'd flush to his right. So we'd make sure that, that he'd have to flush to his left. We wouldn't allow him to flush to his right. right. So, and, and that's intricate and, and hard to do. In Lamar's case, uh, you, you can't flush him laterally. You have to, you have to flush him vertically. You, you can't allow him seams, um, vertical seams. And that really almost translates. I'm getting really into the weeds here, but it almost translates to five-man rush. You have to cover the so-called bear look. You have to cover. This is a, a basic, uh, uh, a basic um, uh, Rex Ryan um, approach. Cover every offensive lineman, push them back into him. Do not allow him out either side, and don't allow him a a, 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 a lane in front of it. Because if he sees a lane in front of him, he'll go like that. Right. Even when you squeeze him, and and I watched the film yesterday. I thought the Raiders did a phenomenal job on it. Um, they kept their tackles actually acted as spies and they squeezed them with the defensive ends, which was really a unique and good thing. I, mean, I, I was thrilled with it. It's just another way to skin a right. cat. And, but even then, you know, he made, he made some people miss and right. got out for big runs. And, and as you've said before, you want to just push, right? You, you don't want to try and sack them because no, don't try to sack him. Make him run into the sack. Right. Make him run into the sack. Right. What is up? Exciting news, gang. Our pod is partnering with Play Action Pools this season to bring some interactive fun to the sports we love most. You'll be able to get in on the action with our PlayAction.com Pools Football Pick'em Challenge, which is open to everyone. All right, so here's how it works. Sign up for the contest Believe Football Pick'em. That's B-L-E-A-V Football pick them at playactionpools.com, and then you'll get your picks in each week. 
We're going to select the 10 highest profile games of the week between NFL and college. Whoever gets the most picks correct each week will win a pair of electric sunglasses and a pair of DC shoes. Again, go to playactionpools.com and sign up for the contest. Believe, B-L-E-A-V, football pick them. And if you plan on hosting your own football contest, go to Play Action Pools today. They've got Survivor, Pick'em, as well as cool sportsbook-style concepts called Build Your Bankroll. Play Action Pools, it will be your new home for all your office sports pools. Speaking just real quick of the Cleveland-Kansas City game, is that going to be a tough one for the Browns to put to bed? No. That That's just you move no. on to the next one. Move on to the next one. Yeah. I mean, some coaches, example being the Titans, okay? You know, really totally unprepared to play the game. Who knows why? They had a lot of COVID issues. They had this. They had that. Um, some coaches, Sam Rotigliano, when he was with the Browns, was famous for doing this once, maybe sometimes even twice a year. He'd come in and say, we're not going to look at the film. That's not us. What's the point of looking at? That's not us. You know, let's go out and correct the mistake. Yeah, let's be us. Uh, Tony never did that. Pete Carroll doesn't. Pete Carroll calls it, uh, I think, um, Truth Monday or something. Those are like Honesty Mondays. Honesty Monday. Yeah, Truth. I think was it. You, you gotta, you gotta own up to your mistakes. Yeah. Bill Belichick would never do that. But it's as I say, there's more than one way to skin a cat. So, but no, they won't linger on it. They, you can't. You, you got to move on. Yeah. Which is no. why, which is why I like the Tuesday off day. I would never change. I know the sports science people would like to change it, but I think from a preparation and psychological standpoint, you would have to give me a study that was absolutely foolproof and led to foolproof victory to get me to change um, the Tuesday off day. Because when you come in on Monday and you look at the film and you walk through the mistakes, you leave the field and you say, that's it. It's over with. Gone. We're not talking about it. And when the media asks about it, say, we're not talking about it. We talked about that after the game. It's over with. We're concentrating on the New York Giants. Uh, or, or in Bill's famous words on it to Cincinnati. Uh, yeah. The, the, that's, what the, that's what the beauty of the, of, of the Tuesday off day is. You get the game out of the way and gone and forgotten. You still correct the mistakes. And, and then, you know, you're on to the, to the next week. And that's, that's what will happen. Um, okay, if there are no further questions on the openers, let me go through the glaring things that popped up. Um, and there aren't many here, and some are obvious because they're injured. But glaring things that popped up where, where, you, where you would say teams need to, to concentrate on, on trying to shore something up. So in the case, we'll go division by division. In the case of Buffalo, their offensive line needs to do a better job, particularly in the run game. Um, I think they need a, a, a blaster running back, a short yardage goal line uh, guy who can be his own blocker. I think they have that guy in Gilliam. They just didn't play him in that role. He's a rookie. He's a converted tight end from the University of Toledo, so they're probably breaking that in slowly. Um, but I think he's there, so that's the good news. But they, they, need, they need to be able to do that consistently. In Miami's case, um, they need to generate better pass, brought, uh, pass rush, and, and they need to solidify who's going to play tackle. I don't think you 
you know, you split reps with tackles necessarily and get them better. So Jackson, as they said, Jackson's the tackle. I can hurt is probably the backup, and that's the way it should be. New England, it's very simple. Bill will correct a myriad of, of little mistakes. I'm, we're only talking about the big things here. Um, ball security. Got to be better with ball security. That's what lost the game, and it always does. You know, turnovers, 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 turnovers. Mm-hmm. You cannot turn the ball. I would not want to be a rookie fumbling in New England. That would absolutely not a fun week for Ramondre Stevenson this weekend. And by the way, and by the way, even though Bill is 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 famously, you know, difficult with those kinds of things, and he should be, Coach Levy, whose approach is the you know personal approach to things is probably 180 degrees opposite. Uh, Mr. Stevenson probably would not see the field for another couple of weeks, mm-hmm. if, if at all, with Coach Lee. He, yeah. he just couldn't stand that. So, yeah. And is that – Bill? And have, talk for a minute then about the various approaches. Let's say uh, you know, a certain back – and, you know, there's the walk around all day with the ball and sleep with it. You know, there's obviously people who are screamers. How do you, how do you, how do you teach or how do you, how do you develop – that in a player in you know, in a way that you don't break them down too much, you know, while you're getting there. High and tight whenever the ball's in your hand. Just again, you tell them that again and again. Which means that the ball is cradled against your elbow. Your elbow is against your your side. The point of the ball is squarely in your top hand. And then when you are in traffic and about to go down, two hands on the ball and remain tight, uh, high and tight. When you're not high and tight, when the elbow goes away from the body, then they can come in and punch it out, high and tight. And that's the reason for carrying the ball around all day, to make sure that you learn to keep it high and tight. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And somebody's going to say, well, Barry Sanders didn't do that. And the answer is he's, that's because he's mm-hmm. Barry Sanders. Barry Sanders, yeah. Exactly. He's not human. Everybody else <laughs> right. has to do it that way. Yeah. Um, so that's, that's number one. Number two, when you're in traffic, two hands on. When you're in traffic, two hands on. When you're out in the open, always high and tight. Because in the National Football League, as opposed to college, someone's going to catch you, and the first thing they're going to do is punch it out. They're going to tomahawk it, or they're going to jab it out. Yeah. And, and so when you're out in the open and you think you're free and clear – you are not. And I don't know how many times that's occurred on Sunday and, and, and the guy got to the bench and some coach said to him, welcome to the NFL, son. <laughs> yeah, right, right. You're not playing against Kentucky. Right, see you, right, see you in a cut right, and see you in a couple of weeks. <laughs> yeah. So, so, you know, that's, that's what you do. Yeah. And, and then finally, you don't fight for the extra yard unless it's critical. Yes. Get what you get and 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 don't fight for the extra yard. Don't put yourself in a position where the ball can be knocked out. Yeah. How many times have we seen that? Absolutely. Uh, yeah. I mean, if you can't get it with your shoulders and, and you're, uh, you know, running behind your pants, you're probably not going to get it no matter what. So um, those are the coaching points. Um New England, ball security. We mentioned Jets. They got a lot of injuries. They also have a lot of needs. Left tackle is a Beckton went down. That's a weak spot. Now they've got to shore that up. They may have to help that guy out scheme-wise. Left guard got didn't play well. Um, their pass rush 
wasn't really good. It came alive a bit in the second half. Um, I think it's going to take them a while to learn the defense. So that's totally understandable. They played a 180 degree difference defense last year. So there's, there's a lot of learning that has to take place there. Um, I think running back, you know, a number one running back is a, is a need for them, a, a game breaker. Um, and, and obviously they've changed punters already because their punter got hurt. And they've signed Morstead. So they, they've at least kind of filled that need. In Baltimore's case, a right tackle Villanueva, as was evidenced on the broadcast numerous times, had a rough night. Um, second and third running backs, do they have that guy in the building? Is that Le'Veon Bell? We'll find out. We'll see if his style fits. I'm not sure it does, but we'll see. They signed a lot of options. They did, yeah. They did, they did. But they, but they lost a lot. Yeah, I mean, that's crazy. I mean, has there ever been a situation like that where you lose your top three running backs that fast? Yeah, it's happened. You know, it's just – it happens, it does. Um, they need a second corner, too. I don't think they have a second corner who can match up right. and shut people down. Because um, with Peter's so gone. Peter's out, Peter's yeah. is gone, so – and, and and the people that coach that defense will tell you privately, they don't say it publicly, but they'll tell you privately that the most important guys in the defense are the two corners. Yeah. So um, they have one in Humphrey. Right. The other one without Peters. You know, the only thing I would say about what Scott asked, Bill, I'm sure it's happened, but I, I can't remember a team losing their top two guys who were so dependent on the run. I mean, where the run was basically the go-to option as opposed to the pass. I just can't remember that in the, in the modern NFL, you know, losing all three guys. Well, I mean, they they changed things up. They went uh, and they and they and they caught the Raiders unawares. You know, they went open so much, yeah, um, that they you know it took the Raiders a while to get revved up and focused on it. Yeah, it's probably not their best uh, their best option, but they really they that's one way to you know, to, to try and, 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 uh, and, and change up and, and yeah. make, make better use of the personnel they have. Yeah. Get, as opposed get, to that, which they don't get Andrews the ball more too. Yeah. Cincinnati, I think, uh, you know, they played well. Um, their offensive line is still a question mark. And I think their corners are still a question mark. Um, Cleveland, I thought they really played well, except um, the pass rush wasn't it from the second quarter on what it what it needs to be I think if they're going to be a legitimate contender and and how long and how well Clowney plays this year will be a that's that's the issue there's no history of there's no history of that yeah, there's no history of that yes <laughs> period <laughs> Pittsburgh I think their offensive line acquitted themselves pretty well against a, a good Buffalo defense. Uh, but they do not have a number two running back. So, well, the number one guy is terrific. Uh, and as I said, he and Fryermuth will make a huge difference on that offense. Uh, they, they, they need a number two guy. He can't, you know, especially rookie. Hitting the rookie wall, he's not going to be able to do it. Yeah. In Houston's case, give them, give their general manager and their coach a world of credit. Yeah. They brought in, you know, we talk about blue players, red players, purple player. They brought in low cost, 
one year reds and high purples. That's what their team is made out. There aren't many blues there at all with the quarterback gone. And, and they coached them up and got them playing hard and put them in the right systems and the systems that fit the players' talents. And they came out and, and, and played very, very well. So kudos to them. Now, what they need is a blue wide receiver, a blue rusher, yeah. and a blue running back. And and that'll come by the that's not coming this year. So that that's a ain't coming. Yeah. But hey, they played hard. You gotta give it to David Cully. They were ready. I mean And they played smart. Yeah. They were smart veterans. They knew how to play. Yes. They knew how to play. I mean, when when you uh think about what what Watt was complaining about, I mean, I, I really do, yeah. Bill, I think it's a great, a great point. A lot of credit to those guys for just turning the whole ethos, the whole effort. You know, they look like a team. They may not be great players all, but they're, they look like a team that was playing hard together to me. They did. They did. They really did. And, and of course, Tyrod did a, did a great job, as he always will. You know, he's got to stay healthy, just like Teddy. You know, if Teddy's healthy, he's, he's going to be a good quarterback. Yeah. Um, Indy, trouble on the offensive line at, at left tackle and right tackle, right tackle because of injury left tackle largely because of injury in the preseason, but they got to get that shorn up as Frank Reich said. Um, and, and in the secondary, um, they weren't ready to play. They were sound asleep. You do not complete 70 yard moon balls against cover two. That's a, that's a cardinal sin. And, and they released a safety yesterday because of it, you know, yeah. you can't, can't have that. So Carson Carson Wentz though, huh? Well, he, he, I mean, he did okay. He did fine. I agree. Yeah, uh, but but you don't give up, you don't give up bombs before the half, and you don't give up bombs in cover two, and, and you know, and then another one where they blew the coverage completely. So, as as Coach Eberflew said, they gotta they gotta reset. Um, Jacksonville. Um, they need a left tackle. They need a right tackle. They need a third wide receiver. And they need a second running back. They need a a, 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 a rush guy, and and they need a cornerback. And you know, it'll be a long year. That's Project Twenty Twenty Two. It's uh, yeah, that is that's where the sign says now hiring. Yes. Yeah. Well, looking not hiring because many are called but few are chosen. They're hoping Kayvon Thibodeau gets better fast. <laughs> well, they need a ton of things. So, uh, you know, it, it's, and then to be expected, to be yeah. expected. They, they tanked um, really for a year, a season and a half. And, and, and knowing that the cupboard would be bare, but it would net them the quarterback. But so they've got the quarterback and the cupboard's bare. So it's going to be a lot of work, you know, for the new regime. Um, Tennessee, um, the left tack. Tennessee is not built to play Arizona to begin with. That is a bad matchup. There are matchups in the National Football League that are good and, you know, where teams are evenly matched. And there are matchups where the styles simply do not compute. You know, they don't. And and this is Arizona's pure spread, run around, uh, create space for the little guys, and Tennessee wants to stay in the middle of the ring and slug you to death. Yeah. And so 
You know, the little guys won. <laughs> they just couldn't grab them. They could not grab them. Yeah. And yeah. Tennessee's offensive line, and here's where I give Arizona a lot of credit, and especially Vance Joseph, their defensive coordinator, a lot of credit. They recognize that in order to play that style of offense, you better have a defense that can make a lot of athletic plays because you're going to be on the field a lot and you're going to have to sack the other team's quarterback a lot. So once Jones came back and all the other pieces that they added in there, including the rookie middle linebacker, who's a big stud, they can pretty much play any style you want. But if you get behind against them, look out. And, and so this was a mismatch from, from the get-go. And having said that, Houston's offensive line, I've said this and been roasted for it time and time again, but, but it's, it's true. Uh, Tennessee's offensive line is not built to pass protect. It's built to do what they do, which is hand the ball to the big horse and run and play action game. You put Taylor Lawan on an island, Against a, a top flight rusher, he's going to lose far more often than not, and and that's that's just the way it is. So you got to find a way to get the ball out quick in a passing game. You got to find a way to run at that guy, blast him out of there, you know. Um, and and they didn't. But so, our guy, our guy Rondell Moore, kind of like it. Well, yeah, you sure you kind of like him until they start getting the grappling hooks out. Yes, it's right? true. That's why I'm I'm petitioning for it. Yeah, we're not right. It's you, you, that's why you said kinda, right, Scott? Well, I mean, he, I mean, I think he's going to be a weapon. Oh, in that offense, he's a big one. It's... Until somebody lays him out, or until they get up there and press him and grab him and push him around and do all of the things that we talked about in the officiating. Exactly. Critique. They got some tough division games coming up too. So yeah, they do. They do. He so anyway, that, that was a mismatch, you know, yep. and, and, and if I'm Mike Vrabel, I'm, you know, I don't tell my team, but I say, hey, look, you know, it is what it is. On to the next one. Uh, Denver, now they got a ton of injuries. I think they do need a second wide receiver now because Judy's gone for a long period of time, and that's, that's not going to help. Um, Teddy needs people around him. Teddy can win with people around him. He can't win on his own. He's not Lamar. He can't not that Lamar can win on his own either, but, you know, he can't – he's not Aaron Rodgers. So you've got to be able to have people around him, and, and Jude's loss is pretty significant. Kansas City, uh, they need a second wide receiver. You know, it, it's still it's still the big two. <laughs> yep, it is. Yep, yep. Somebody else has to be has to step up. But they are they're still Mike Tyson. It is you can get knocked out at any moment. Yes, indeed. Yeah, uh, I, I think their offensive tackle play probably needs. It's not as bad as it was in the Super Bowl, of course, but it needs to be better. That's a function of, of playing a lot. Matthew wasn't there, and and that was a problem in the first half. Um, he'll be back. So I think they'll get that straightened out. But they, they they played a lot better defense in the second half. I think 
once they saw what what Cleveland was doing, they got things squared away. And if, you know, you got Jones changing positions and 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 the other defensive end not there. So, so and Matthew not there. So all in all, I thought they did pretty well, but they need those guys over the long run. In, in, the, in the Raiders case, uh, uh, right tackle, the rookie was the rookie. And, uh, you know, to their credit, after the penalty, they kept them in the game. Um, probably I would have wanted to cut them at that point when you're <laughs> right. inch from the goal line. And they call a timeout, and the quarterback reminds you, don't go offside. I'm going to hard count, and you go offside. He, by the way, has a history of that at Alabama. Um, so, you know, good for Coach Gruden for not cutting him on the spot. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> uh, I think their center play was not as good as they probably would like it, and the left guard got, got run over. Yeah. So, um it's the offensive line that needs work there and needs to get better. Um, but as I said earlier, they played a magnificent game. In the Chargers case, they need a second running back. Somebody's got to emerge there. And I think that, you know. Did you like what Roundtree did, though? I thought Roundtree played pretty well. I did. I did. Yeah, I did. Now, he's got to prove it over the long term, but I do. Yeah, yep. I did. I had them solving that problem in the offseason. I think their biggest concern has to be blue play, consistent, no question about it, no scrimping blue play at left tackle and right tackle. Because as you said at the open of the show, Scott, this guy is the best young quarterback in the National Football League, period, case closed. It's it's like watching a different TV channel. It's a yeah. different gig. Yeah. I mean, because he's he's borderline in defense. I mean, you can't defend him. I mean, if he's gonna right. put the ball where he puts the defense can't win. You can't. Right. You're not gonna do it. And he's as smart as Mac Jones, and his physical gifts are that of Aaron Rodgers. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, oh yeah, that's a good way to put right? it. Right. And his accuracy is a different deal. I mean, and he'll be he'll be as accurate as smart as Tom Brady in in, in the winking of an eye. Yeah, in, in, in another year. So you better damn well protect it. And and that means you got to give up something on defense. Yeah. But you have to. I mean, he's the franchise. Now, I'm not I'm not advocating, um, uh, you know, neglecting the defense, not at all, or neglecting the running game. But you better protect him because if you protect him, the amount of games you're going to win in the last two minutes are going to be amazing. And that's what Tom Brady did. Tom Brady did two things better. Uh, two minutes, he was about equal with Peyton. They were the, by far the two best. But this guy, but Tom Brady in gift situations, when somebody handed you a gift, a fumble, an interception, you want to go for the jugular, take the big play shot. Nobody liked him. Nobody liked him in the history of football. That's what this guy has a chance to be. So you better invest in protecting him. Nope. No pressure on Slater and Balaga this year. <laughs> no. Well. But Slater played pre- – I thought their offense – I mean, he was clean for most of that game. I thought their offense – He was clean for most well. of the game, but, but those guys are not playing for a long time. Yeah. You know? Mm-hmm. 
Now they drafted the the Northwestern kid who they think is is going to be pretty good. But you you know, I think yeah, it's it's time to loosen the purse strings and go out and get a young a young blue tackle because they not collect right. You got to right. You've told us this again and again. Uh, it's not you. You got to cap how you're going to allocate it. You don't neglect the defense, but where you put the money is where you have to put the money. You told us that. You know. This is the guy. So you better protect him. And uh, because then he gives you the best chance to win. You know, the, the argument that you raised it in, in, in the beginning, Scott, bears repeating. You know, Chase Young, phenomenal. Great guy to have. Herbert, phenomenal. Who gives you a more better chance to win? It's the quarterback. Yeah, every time. If he's special. If he's special. And, and this guy is clearly special. Um, okay, over to the NFC quickly. Um, Dallas offensive line is a mess. They got to get it straightened out. Don't know if there are people there to do it. There are injury issues that they're replacing the right tackle this week. That, that's going to be the Achilles heel. Um, the kicker has to be what he was. If he's not, it's you know, you, you don't win. It's it's that simple, uh, especially with an offense like that. Giants, again, uh, left tackle and right tackle. Um, give them a chance. I mean, they got to work together. It's a work in progress. I'm not, you know, it's just something to keep an eye on. And I was disappointed in the pass rush. I don't think they got a lot done in that. Eagles, um, they were up against a team that wasn't ready to play. So, you know, hard to say. Not put them in the Super Bowl right away. Uh, but I think the offensive line, Good signs, but still questionable, you know. And the rush has got to be better because they're so old up front. If they get any injury, boy, that, that's right. – you know, yeah. I mean, that, that's the over-the-hill gang. There. It is, yeah. They're good, so – but you got to develop some younger rushers. Washington, obviously a quarterback, um, obviously a second running back. Um, and, and I don't think – Maybe he's in a building, maybe he's not. I, I, I think a, a McLaurin is a 1A receiver. It'd be, it'd be great to have a pure one there, but I think that comes in the draft down the road. Um, in the Bears case, wide receiver, uh, there's only one. Um, offensive line, left tackle. The rush was disappointing. And the most disappointing thing was the back end of the defense. Boy, missed, you know, missed tackles, mistakes, guys running free, you know, blown coverage on cup. I mean, it, it, here's the thing. Here's the thing that annoys general managers and, 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 and annoys owners. It's not hard to know that cup is their go-to guy, right? right? Yeah. He's the guy. We, we as fans know it. We exactly correct. And the old bromide in tough situations, players not plays, is the essence of the National Football League, right? Yeah. So, how do you blow the coverage on Cup? If you blew the coverage on Goodwin, I get it. If you blew it on the Wake Forest kid, I get it. But on Cup. Yeah. No. Come on. Yeah. Oh. No. You know. They're right. The guy with the X on his back. 
Yeah. Yeah. We're it's not Jefferson, it's Cup. That's troubling, you know, because that's common sense. Somebody in the back in the, on the back end should say, hey, listen, let's get make sure we cover Cup. Yeah. And if you listen to Eli and Peyton, and especially Russ, when in the fourth quarter of that game, I, it was it was so much fun for me because it was like it took me back to Saturday night in the meal room at the hotel after the meeting, watching the college games, and everybody's sitting around and critiquing and calling plays. And I wanted to do that for, but not like fans, like real football people. Right. Hey, yeah. That's a zero look. What the, what the hell is he throwing the ball to the flat for? He's got the guy wide open down the field. <laughs> you know, that kind of stuff. So it was really, it, it was really great. Yeah. And, and so, you know, that, that kind of stuff is, is, I mean, it's not for everybody. There are people that want to hear the human interest and all that stuff on the regular broadcast, but it points up the fact that veteran players will say, hey, listen, no matter what we do, let's make sure Cup's covered here, right? Right. Yeah. And it, 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 I think I think there, I got to say that I, I really enjoyed it because everything you said was there, Bill, and there was also what you'd expect out of the brothers. I mean, it was funny. Uh it, it was it was just really enjoyable, and what you realize is generally what you get on games and the play by play is not necessary. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, that's the subject for another another show. Another show. But uh, the so that's the you know that's worrisome. Uh, otherwise, I thought the Bears acquitted themselves well. I really do. Um, Detroit, you know, not ready to play. San Francisco took their foot off the gas and to Detroit's credit, they fought back. And that's very, a lot of credit to the quarterback for hanging in there and, 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 and getting them to play hard. But um, they're like Jacksonville, you know, that's a work in progress. Yeah. Um, Green Bay. I'm still not sold on the offensive line and they got to get their heads in the game. I mean, it's really that simple. That defense is not that bad talent wise. Um, they got knocked around by a by a team that was ready to play. That's simple. And Coach LaFleur said it. Minnesota, I don't know if we know quite what they are yet. I'm not sure Zim knows what they are. Um, to their credit, they came back in the game and got it into overtime, but they couldn't finish it. So I don't know if they've got enough rush. And, uh, you know, we'll see. That's, that's a – I got a question mark there. Atlanta – they were not ready to Did play. Not show up. <laughs> they don't know who they are. Uh, everybody's learning. Everybody, it, it, this is going to be, this is a shakedown cruise. So just, but there is no defense at this stage. So that one's got to get shorn up. And I'm not sure there's enough personnel there to shore it up. So it looks to me like a, a, a rather long year, but they'll yeah. get better. And it's understandable that, you know, they were the, they were the way they were. You feel for Matt Ryan. We, yeah, too bad. Yeah, he looked good in burgundy and gold. <laughs> he sure would. <laughs> he sure would. And I'm not sure I wouldn't make a telephone call and talk about that. Scott, if you could pull that off, you'd probably be mayor of DC. Be, although people love Heineke around here, so we'll see what see what I he know does they do. Thursday. I know. Give him a chance, and the trade deadline isn't until week eight anyway. So plenty of time. Plenty. Of, our, our season starts week thirteen. Yeah. Um. Carolina, I thought, really good on defense. 
offensively, I would have given Darnold a C plus. I don't think he was on top of his game. I think he missed some open guys. Maybe that's who he is. I had a coach say to me, that's exactly who he is. Um, so we'll see. But um, defensively, really good. Uh, second half offensively, not so good because the Jets dialed it up and played man-to-man and just and just said, go ahead, beat us. And, and they were, really weren't able to close it out. Um, so, you know, we'll see. But by and large, a good effort. New Orleans, it's a blowout. You know, everybody wants to put Jameis in, in the Hall of Fame now. Let's see what you know. when you're playing against the air, it's <laughs> yeah, six, 16 more games. Yeah. And Tampa Bay, they got cornerback problems with Murphy Bunting gone. And I think they had safety problems with Whitehead gone. Um, and that I think that showed up. Um and 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 uh Dallas went right after the guys that weren't in the game, they went right after the backup positions. And, uh, and so they got work to do there. Uh, Johnson's going to start this week after having been benched last week after the fumble. And we'll see how he does. He has a history of bouncing back. So I don't think that's a long-term problem, but uh, the, the. They also have Atlanta in week two. So yeah, we can get right week. Yeah. Maybe. And, and I mean, they still played well enough to win in yeah. the end. Um, and, and typically they're a team that comes on late in the season anyway. I'll be interested. Bruce Aarons is on my radio show tonight. I'll be interested to see what his point of view is. Um, Arizona, we said they look tremendous. Uh, it, the, the rusher being back, you know, is is first rate I mean, he really he really makes a difference um and he's likely to be there all season barring some sort of a mishap so they're a good team and you better know how to defense them you better know how to defense them if you if you're if you haven't uh and i'm sure every team in the division has done this but if you're they're on your schedule you better make a call to the people at alabama and say, how do you defense this this offense? Because it's not what you normally see. You right. know, it's it, this is a pure spread with a with a magician at quarterback. I, interestingly enough, I was with Doug Flutie yesterday, and, and and I said to Doug, I was trying to think who this guy, who the comparable was, and I couldn't think of anybody that. And then it, all of a sudden, it came to me. I said, he's Doug Flutie. He's Doug Flutie with probably a better arm. So. Um, that's hard to defense unless you know how to do it. Um, Rams, I think the running game, um, you know, adequate. There's not going to be anybody great coming down the road, so you're going to have to ride with that. But certainly if they had a number one run, a run guy, they, they'd be a lot better. I'd rather not have to see them rely so much on, on the passing game. And they need a second rusher. They need a second rusher when you're in four down somebody's got an outside rusher has to be able to draw some, some uh, protection against Donald. Um, San Francisco, their running backs gone for the season, cornerbacks gone for the season. So here we go again. That's tough. Yeah, that's really tough. So we got to replace those. And in Seattle, um, again, 
Carson's nicked, I think, uh, uh, and Penny is is out for a period of time, and and I think their their corner play is questionable. Um, the offensive line I thought did a really good job yesterday, but I didn't think that Indianapolis. Uh, yeah, I'm sorry, Sunday. I didn't think Indianapolis really um, lit it up. So um, let's see what you know what happens when they're challenged inside the division. And I can't wait to see them play Arizona to see what Pete does to to try and and and, and handle that style of offense. But of course, as long as Russ is there, he makes up for a multitude of sins and uh, whatever they may be. And uh, and and they're and they're a good team. So that's a division that you might, because of in, in division can, cannibalization. I'm I'm thinking ten and six would be the max for the division winner, and and you might you might get a nine and seven team. Yeah, three teams in from there. Out of a out of a great division. Yeah. Yeah. The West the West in both conferences is pretty tough this year. Yeah. 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 Now the only thing is that that. The Seattle and and San Francisco uh, and Arizona have some age on them, so you know, seventeen games and injuries may tell the tale there. But that's that's what the season's all about. That's what's left to be done. So there we are. That's my impressions of Week One. Look at that. That's why it's fun. Couple glaring things, couple fun things. Thank you, as always, Bill, for taking us through it and uh, getting us ready for the next few weeks. It was a fun week one. If you have anything you want us to cover in future episodes, be sure to hit us up on Twitter at ifbillpolian. Uh, thank you, guys. Thank you. Thank you. Stay safe. Mask up. Get vaccinated. It's a good idea. Let's, let's all get vaccinated. <laughs> Indeed. See you guys. See you. Bye. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. Sometimes it takes a different approach to help you unlock your true potential. With Capella University's game-changing FlexPath learning format, you gain relevant skills you can apply to your career right away. Earn your degree from an accredited university and be confident in the quality of your education. Imagine your future differently at capella.edu. Capella University is accredited by the Higher Learning Commission. Learn more at capella.edu slash accreditation.